Welcome to What Do You Think? Now, I'm going to say it now. There is no Al this time. It is only me, C. Oh, but wait. We do have someone on the podcast, folks. Someone that has never been a part of it before. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm, happy, verbosious welcome to N. Say hi, N. Hi. <laughs> there he is. Welcome to the podcast, and and how are you doing today? Acrimonious, but that's how I usually <laughs> am. For people who want to not look that up on the dictionary, that usually means acid, bitter, tired. You know how everyone yes, feels working their nine to five job. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> but th- let's hope that this can be a little bit of a reprieve for you, my friend. Um, so yes, folks, uh, as I said, Al unfortunately could not join us this evening. Don't worry about it. He's not gone. He is not He is not gone. He has not been canceled. He's doing quite well. Uh, just sometimes we have lives, folks, and uh, can't, can't do anything about it. Um, so... I brought a, a very one of my closest friends in the world. I thought I was your podcast. best friend. <laughs> you are my best. Okay, you're my best friend. You Thank are you. my best, best friend. friend. Okay, listeners, he, my, he, uh, listeners, he legitimately is. C is legitimately my best friend. Listeners, fun fact. <laughs> N is my best friend too. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I genuinely didn't mean anything by that, folks. <laughs> of course, all the three people in the all the three people in the comments are going to be like, "What did he mean? What did he mean by that? Oh my god." But folks, okay. So, for this very special episode, we are not recording um a review about an up-and-coming movie because fun facts there's these things called the writer strikes and the actor strikes that means not a lot of stuff is coming out or things have been delayed or oh good so everyone can whatever. catch up on the millions of things that they've cranked out in the last five years to go wait that exists yes exactly there <laughs> exactly <laughs> you can definitely do that but so folks 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 so i thought why not do uh, a retro episode, an episode of a movie that uh, from the yesteryears, from the before times, um, as some may call it. Now, for the record, this is not the first time uh, we have done an older movie on the podcast. In fact, the last time Al, uh, Jay, and I did Wrath of Khan, which was, or Star Trek II Wrath of Khan, as its actual title is. Um, that was in celebration of its anniversary when it was replayed on the big screen. What a fun time. Tonight, folks, we're going with a very different kind of movie. Still science fiction, I'll say that. But other than that, there is very little similarity between the two. Uh, and that... Uh, well, all right, sorry. Let's... let's for, 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 okay, we can get into that later. But for the sorry. sake of argument... No, it's totally fine. I, I'm, I'm the one doing a lot of talking, I know. Uh, for the sake of argument, this movie is very different, other than it is a science fiction film. And that film, folks, is the one and only Dark City, or Dark City. Um, so, and let me start off, um, before we tell too much about this movie, and how did you first learn about Dark City? And can you tell us a little bit about your initial thoughts on it? Okay, so I'm going to try to speed run this, and this might date me a bit. 
I'm a bit of a 90s kid, so there used to be something called Spike TV or other TV channels where you just walk by and they'll be just playing a clip of The Mummy or Independence Day or Pitch Black or Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, that's two Vin Diesel films in a row. Anyways, they'll always be playing little <laughs> clips of random movies in the side, and you always see little clips, and you start recognizing the film like, hey, I kind of know that film, or hey, that's that film, but you never really saw a film in its entirety. And I always saw clips of Dark City, but I never really knew what it was. But I just kept seeing this thing, like, huh, that's kind of weird. And then when I would go to Blockbuster, yes, Blockbuster, ooh. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on VHS, <gasps> yeah, anyways. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so, and I see that, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I rented it and watched it. I'm like, I think I was too young to appreciate it, other than, oh, that's interesting and neat. And then I got it and saw it on DVD. Uh, it was a 1998 film, and then get, and then there was the 97. Direct- oh well, 97 or was it? Shit! I thought it was. Wait, no- hold on, folks. Time to be wrong. Uh, uh, let's see. Here, the point I'm is, I recommend now. the director's the 2008 director's cut because you were right. 98. Sorry. Yeah, uh, we're going to be discussing specifically the director's cut, which removed the. Uh, unnecessary opening narration which just was just unnecessary and also just polished up the we're just going to call it the sweaty grime that if you watch a lot of older movies that every character looks to be sweaty grease balls <laughs> they try to polish up in the... also apparently the theatrical cut had some weird dubbing from Jen- Jennifer Connelly that didn't make sense and they polished that up in the director's cut all of her singing scenes were dubbed. The singer, okay. the singer. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So yeah. So yeah. So I kept seeing these things. Saw the film. Rented it. Didn't really appreciate it for what it was. But uh, so after going to film school, and it's like, well, not specifically a film school, but it's school that was strong for its film. And we're going. You know what? I really appreciate all the hard work that went into that. And liking it for a lot of other reasons like this is actually a pretty cool film and then of course due to streaming well before that before netflix even was streaming it was just you know mail the mail dvds watched it again loved it loved it and became it's a cult classic which i'm going to argue it shouldn't be classified as a cult classic because we'll get into its budget and box office numbers later uh i should already tell you why i argue about it being a considered a cult hit because of what most people think about that what that means um but yeah i liked it so i'm already biased so that was my background kept seeing it weird sat down watched it came back later watched it and i loved it uh so yeah i'm rambling a bit i like it um yeah so what do i think about it uh i think a lot about it but i don't really want to start spitballing when i think about it because it'll sound like crazy insert the charlie day conspiracy board meme which is also funny <laughs> and very relevant to the movie, depending on how recent you've seen the movie, see, and certain scenes you know I'm referencing. Yes, but, yes. I, uh, for the record, folks, I did rewatch it a week ago for in preparation for this episode. You know, a certain character pointing at a certain board that looks like it's straight out of the Charlie Day meme. Yeah. But anyways. It, it definitely does. Yeah, but yeah, so... I'll let you kind of direct and steer this so I'm not foaming at the mouth, crazy no, fanboy. You're you're fine. You're fine. So, so, so I, don't know, I don't know if you want to start w- with who the director is 
understand. Well, I will. So, yeah, let, let's get into that real quick. So, uh, the director uh, by the name of Roger, or sorry, Jesus, Alex Proyas. I really hope I'm saying that right. I might not be. He is a an Australian director who um, has an interesting, a very interesting filmography, folks. The Crow. Um, well, that's what I was getting to. Prior to Dark City, his first feature film was The Crow, which, for those of you who don't know, some call even a bigger cult hit, but I consider it its own thing. Fun fact, that's uh, based that, on a course, comic. Yes, it is. It's based on a comic. Most people don't know that. I own um, it. Yes. You also own Dark City, I'm sure. Um, the director's cut, of course. So The Crow was a 1994 film. Starring Brendan Lee, very tragically, he passed away on the set. Um, that's sadly, that's really the only thing that people really remember about that movie. In a lot of ways, like you say that you say the crow is like, oh yeah, that's the movie Brendan Lee died on. It's like, yes, that is correct. That did happen on that movie, but it also like it's it's an incredible. That's an incredible film all to its own. I will. I can't speak for the many sequels that came afterwards, but um, still a very good movie nonetheless. Um, and four years later, the, he gets an opportunity to direct his next film, which was Dark City. Which, fun fact, a lot of people, more often, people think Dark City is based on a comic book than The Crow, which is a very weird thing to think about. For but Dark City... Sorry to interrupt. Yes. When I said I own it, I meant the actual Crow comic book. Oh, gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. That's you know what that shows you that you're a true believer. So you to speak. you 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 know what subcultures I like. <laughs> yes, and you know what you should not feel ashamed of that. But later on, four years later, he makes uh, Dark City, and I, and. I actually looked up an old rev- a few old reviews of that movie. They were relatively positive. Critics liked it for the most part. They didn't fully understand it, but they knew it would, that it was something interesting. Because remember, folks, Dark City predates The Matrix by one actual year. Like that's pretty impressive when you we're, we're really think get about a that. lot into comparisons between those two films for a lot of reasons. I'm sure you've did some research yes. about why those two films are going to have a lot in common. Yes. Um, so, but the movie, listen, and we'll explain that tech. Well, you know what? The movie does not do gangbusters in theaters. Let's put it that way. I actually looked it up, and apparently, the movie was de- the release of the film was delayed for seven months. Because the Titanic came out, and originally it was supposed to come out. And no, wait, no, no, it gets better. It was supposed to come out the same weekend as the Titanic. It would have been a Titanic the, of a release of box office. It, it would have been. Then it actually would have bombed. Then it actually. That's would why have. I said it would have been a Titanic. Yes. So, but I think. Uh, the producers looked and realized, oh my God, James Cameron's coming out with a new movie. Let's Originally, it was going to be, let's push it by a month. That was the plan. And then that month happened, and Titanic was still Titanic doing really was well in the box thing. offices. It was a thing. <laughs> yes. It was a it, period of life that just happened. Um, it kept going on. They, Yes, it was a... 
the Titanic movie was a cultural zeitgeist, regardless of what you think of the movie itself. It was a huge deal. We all know this. Um, Finally, seven months later, and for the record, the director pointed out that Titanic was still, like, in the top three for the box offices (laughs) seven months later. But, like, they're like, okay, at this point, we can start releasing new stuff. So they finally released Dark City. Um, But, and, well, this is a good segue. I'll I'll get, I'm about to play the trailer, folks. But for whatever reason, the trailer isn't horrible, but... It's, it it's, doesn't if quite. If it's the trailer, I think you're playing because I've seen one of the tra- I, I don't remember how many trailers it has, but if it's the trailer, I think you're playing. It's bad. I'm sorry. I'm a fan well, of this film, but if it's the trailer, I think you're about to play. I. It's a bad trailer, and this is me a fan of the film. <laughs> hey, plenty of good movies have bad trailers. It happens all the time. Um, so, I think that's a good segue. Let's get ready for the trailer of Dark City. So yeah, that was the Dark City trailer. Now, I gotta point out that for those, for the, <laughs> Sorry, listen, it hurts listen. me every time I see that. So I wanted to play it because I watched it. And I'm like, oh, this obviously is there's be a audio. Fire. But- <laughs> but like, you look at this, and and I'm sorry for the folks only listening at home. 
you have no idea what's going on <laughs> uh, because there's only this weird eerie music and thunderstorms. Guess what? We saw the video and neither did we. Like we had no idea what this it's would be bad. about. Like it's a bad trailer. We're Remember, getting that I'm out a of the way. fanboy who loves this film and probably watches it every two months. And even I hate this trailer. It's just a bad trailer. Apparently someone recut it like years later to like make it interesting. Like a, but I just didn't I didn't think it was right to uh I feel like do that. I feel like they revealed too much in that. If you watch the original trailer for the original Time Machine movie, that trailer revealed like the entire plot and every aspect in it. It feels like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like what they could have done for Dark City, because so much of it relies on reveals, I feel like they could have just focused on the noir aspect, the neo-noir yeah. aspect. They could have just done that. And then later on, closer to the reveal, then they could release the more uh, sci-fi-ish, strange yeah. element. You do the noir and just get glimpses of the weird strangers, basically. That's all you need yeah. in the original one, to show something's up, and then, then you're good. But then this, they just show every possible visual with no fucking context um, at all, whatsoever. I I think this film is – we'll get into this later. I think this film is one of the reasons why I love the movie Cabin in the Woods so much is there's a lot of overlap (laughs) with themes and elements. So so going back to the director, you know he did iRobot? Yes. Yes, he did. He did iRobot. Uh, which, listen, I had fun with iRobot. I know it's nothing like the original short stories. I understand that, with basically the exception of that they include the three laws of robotics in the beginning. Yeah. But otherwise, it's really nothing like it. But I enjoyed it. It's fun. You heard enough lectures of me screaming, this is not the book! Yes, and I'm like, and I understand it's three in the morning. I just want to go to bed, please. <laughs> like, like people, I know. Okay, 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 before everyone goes, wait, what the hell does he mean? It's 3 a.m. Okay, guys, before everyone goes to, oh, my God, let's do some really disgusting ideas. We were roommates at university. In college. Yes. Technically at college. university. Yes, a university. In university. Okay, so before you guys go to start. I don't want to call it the the disgusting fan fiction tables. We were no, roommates no. at university. All right. <laughs> yes. We were roommates. Wink. No, I'm just kidding. Shut up. Um, no, no, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, so you know a lot about this movie. And so before we get into our genuine opinions of the movie and frankly, an, a, a unbiased or as unbiased as possible because to be honest i think i can be a, in this with this specific movie i think i can be a little less biased than you just a little bit for this one i want to hear this i want to know what you know about this movie i want people i want this to be the source this episode to be the source for all the things people don't know about this movie so that without a doubt regardless of what you actually think of it people I'm can gonna, appreciate i'm gonna, I'm gonna... Sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to bias you right here, right now. Speaking about your uh, yeah. your uh, Demeter episode, uh, where I yes. have no idea how you forgot. I, I don't know what how I'm allowed to swear on here, but uh, I don't know how the H you forgot to mention one of your. You can favorite- swear. It's okay. okay. You can I swear. Know, I don't know for how the, the hell you forgot to mention your one of your favorite movies, or you used to tell me it was one of your favorite movies, Blade Two. But uh, mm-hmm. you, 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 one of the uh, screenwriters for this film was the uh, screenwriter for Blade 2. So there, I've instantly biased really? you to liking this film. 
Yeah, you did. And for the record, yes, I love Blade 2. I have no idea how Why? you forgot that, the, the name. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that during the Demeter episode. So thank you, N, for pointing out my hypocrisy. Um, I have biased on that them. Note, <laughs> on that note, tell, okay, what would, and let me ask you this. What would people not know about this movie? All right, so the I, I would say the closest reference I would use for people that want a quote modern film, uh, please, I I'm I don't remember the year Cabin in the Woods came out, but that's another film I love. I would say the closest comparison you would have for this film is Cabin in the Woods. So there's there's a there's the the plot that the characters are aware of, and then there's the plot that the audience is aware of. Uh, there is another reason I think I like it. Nineties kids, I think, would like it. Is if you grew up with the Batman animated adventures, where it's the where every where it was the anime series that started with the Zeppelins and the very very much the Gotham's noir style. So this film presents you a a basically that kind of style, a gothic noir city with your stereotypical things your lounge jazz singer smoky streets street walkers kind of washed up cops the create the crazy people just so you're thinking okay this is it's, it's a noir film and the kind of the film makes fun of noir stereotypes and points out things about noir films like why is it always nights uh mm-hmm. which comes a very relevant plot point uh but at the same time, then it works back and you realize there's things going on behind the scenes. Uh, it's a simulation. Uh, I, I, please stop me if I'm going too far. Uh, so Go for it. it. Is, no. it is, folks, it, folks, you should watch this for the record. Sorry. Let me just say, spoilers ahead. You should watch the movie before listening to this. Okay. Go on. So it's a simulation. Uh, we are the rats in the maze. And... If you remember in the film, which is quite clever, um, see, if you remember, the doctor, when he's visited by uh, Emma, uh, Dr. Schrieber has a rat in a maze. And when mm. she, when he's when he's asked why he's doing this, he says, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm, this is to help me with my experiments. But if you notice the layout of the maze, it's the spire of it's the circle of the city, the layout of the city. And, of course, it's a metaphor because mm. we are the rats of the city. And, of course, you know, the city, the, the city of the spire of the layout. Blah. My words mm. just twisted there. But, uh, yeah. Mm. So another reason I think people are there, – there's something to do with the psychology of spirals that drive people in. Uh, and if people don't believe me, I'm going to point out uh, there is a, a horror, horror – manga called Uzumaki 1998 by Junji Ito. Uh, if that name sounds familiar to people, yeah, he's that infamous guy that writes all the psychedelic uh, scary stuff. And yes, he is the guy who did Gyo, Gyo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, also known as Death Stench, which is, I'm sure you've seen the viral clips of the sharks on spider legs that are right around eating people. Yes, that series yes, is I've the one. I've seen those. Yes. Yes, he's the one. 
I didn't realize that was I didn't realize that was him. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, he's the one who created the series called Uzumaki, which is all about why people are terrified and fascinated about spir- spirals. And fun fact, apparently Adult Swim picked up and is doing his series about animating it. So yes, people are there's something psychedelic with spirals and the fascination with it. So the series has to do with spirals human consciousness nature versus nurture constructs multiple layers of uh what's this what's this what's the great famous line from the uh m night shimalians episode of rick and morty this is going to be a total mind f bomb yeah yeah so the movie total mind fuck well yeah you can can curse again i i didn't want to yeah, you're anyways. fine. You're fine. You know you're me. Fine. I love to swear, but I didn't want to ruin your podcast. So, anyways, that's yeah. fine. So the movie you starts as it's a noir film. Then it starts realizing there's something beyond the scenes that's manipulating everything. So there's things, entities that are manipulating the city to get what they want from the city. They keep trying to manipulate the city to be more of the cliche city, and they start moving people around like pieces and places. So. Uh, so a person who will be a hotel manager one moment will then be working the newspaper stand the next moment. Or one person will be a cop, and then the next moment they'll be the crazy conspiracy guy in the subway train. Or they'll just be moving things around trying to get the perfect noir city. They're trying to create the perfect simulation of what would you date the city to be? A 1940s, 50s, 60s? I want to it say was, cliche uh, gangsters some... kind of prohibition era-ish. Kind of. I, I, so when I saw this, I was like, okay, I see a little bit of, not in the dark sense, but in the stylistic choices, a little bit of uh, uh, Mad Men a little bit. So I was oh, like thinking. Yeah, completely. 50s 60s but before the 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 hippie movement of course in that in that ilk so to speak yeah so before you go on more before you direct the conversation away from me so i i quick quick trivia yeah, about breaking it. up to uh the matrix the matrix was done one year after this um fun fact a lot of the sets for this film were actually used in the matrix um and oh. then again simulated a simulated city, a simulated universe for people trying to figure things and get something from things. Uh, creator, creator entities, non-human things, running things, controlling things, and using humans. Uh, another thing. Okay. Mr. Murdoch. Dark City. Mr. Anderson. All right. Mm. Exact identical, you know, group collective group think though of course there's a few unique distinctive people that stand out mm-hmm. you, they're, they're no, like this this the smiths and these other and beings the strangers they're called the strangers the strangers yeah there's That's a right. lot of overlap we can we mm-hmm. can, I, there's a lot of I think his name is Mr. Hand. I think there's a lot of overlap between Mr. Hand and Mr. Smith. And yes, I'm going to say I'm sure we'll get into this later. I believe Mr. S- Mr. Hand does a does a way better acting performing job than the actual lead actor in this film, John Murdoch. 
Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That's interesting. Because he has to play like three different personalities, which is pretty intense. He does. He does. But I think it's more, it's a, it's the, there's still, it's three different personalities, but there is a air of, there is a. intensity to him. There's an, there is an intensity, but it's almost like, I'm trying, I guess the best way I can put it, it's kind of like he's, there's still a mask, I guess you could say. Well, that's um, that's part of the that's part of the, the fact of the strings themselves. They are masks. That's true. We'll get that's into that. Oh we'll yeah, get, literally. We'll get into, we'll get into that. Yeah. So, um, I will say, um, when I first saw this movie, it was, it was in, I was in. It was the summer right before I went to college or university. And I remember just, I remember my, a friend of my dad mentioned it. And I'm, along with a few other films where he's like, oh, these are such neat movies. They're so weird and so much fun. And they, they're, you really should check them out. And my dad kind of not, kind of just said, oh, whatever. Uh, I, you know, and he, I, I don't I think know, he man. ever, yeah, yes, you do. And he, I, he never, I also think because one of those movies that was recommended was a movie that my dad didn't like. I don't know which one that was. So then he decided, my dad decided to write off all the recommendations my friend gave, his friend gave him. Yet he showed you the exorcist at Howell? Nine years old, which, hey, folks, exorcist believer will come in a few weeks on the podcast. But until then... Um, I remember, okay, two of the movies I remember he recommended to my dad. One was a film called Titus, based on the Shakespeare play Titus Andronicus. And the other was uh, Dark City. I don't remember the other, there were three others, I don't remember them. I should probably reach out to him and be like, hey, what were those other three? I'll probably, I want to check them out. Um, my, uh, I didn't watch Titus Andronicus till years and years and years, years later, like after graduating from university. Years later. Because I saw the runtime of that movie and I was like, I don't know. But I did check out Dark City because it's I, I saw that and I was like, oh, it's a horror movie. I like horror movies based on the old cover. Based on the old cover of the guy screaming and all that. Yeah, so, it's a that cover of John Murdoch on the yeah. The, the, the that, clock, yeah. Yeah, that, they could have had a different cover. They could have had a cliche yes. noir cover. They, they should yeah, have they could advertised have. and marketed it to be a noir film. They really should have. Yeah, I agree with that. But I was lucky enough at the time to live near a mom-and-pop, so to speak, or family-owned rental store for Support movies and DVDs. and all. folks. And I so please do please support your local businesses. If not, I live like domestic. Yes, uh, I lived about like a block or two from this place. So I walked down there, asked if they had it. They of course did. Rented it, watched it. I remember I used I watched on my dad's mini DVD player, the kind that was like, you know, looked like a mini laptop almost. It would you'd open up the screen and watch it that way. So I remember sitting in my room with all the lights off, thinking it was going to be a super scary movie, and I watched it. Important thing to note: this was—I don't believe this was the director's cut because I don't think 
it had been out yet. I don't think, but maybe, but it was, it wasn't, I don't think it was. So I sit down and I watch it and I remember I am just absolutely blown away at the time by the, the look of the movie. I fell in love with the look of the movie. It was, it was like a noir, but even more intense. And I love new, I still do love film noir, but I really loved him then as well. And I'm just watching this and watching this and I'm watching this movie get crazier and crazier and weirder and weirder. Now I've since seen much, much, much weirder movies. N and I have watched much, much weirder movies together. Interjection on two parts. Yes. C has made me see a lot of weird films and I'm, both thankful for that and also a bit annoyed but also when he says he likes noir films yes he does i when we went to university together part of it is you're required to work on x amount of film sets depending on your degree and i've had to work on a lot of his noir films that he did and i don't regret doing that so yes believe me c likes his noir films (laughs) and his yes scary films I do, I do. But I will, what I'll say, uh, yes. Um, but I liked the subversion that this did. I will say at the time, I, and that's what I'll get into later, my my views on it then and my views on it now, because I, I had not seen it any time in between then and, and a week ago. Um, my views on the ending were a little bit, mixed at the time i thought it kind of went a little rushed and i think here's the thing looking back it was rushed but i think my senior year high school brain interpreted it as someone i I just interpreted it as like a as a weird so okay in the world of writing you call it like a deus ex machina the entire film the, is the entire well yes but in the sense of the literal hand of god or something comes down and changes things and i saw that and i was like oh okay that's a little weird um i'm not gonna say too much about the ending folks i won't do that but so i walked out of that movie thinking that was a really neat movie but i don't think i ever need to see it again that was my thinking at the time and then I met you, and it was one of those movies that <laughs> I, you were on, very obsessed with. Can you repeat how you just said that? <laughs> that was a great time, but I don't think I ever need to watch that again. And then I met you, and yes, and then I met you, and I quickly realized it was one of the movies you were obsessed with. And I don't know why we never watched it together. I think at the time I was like, I wanted, you know what it was? Being You're in film busy. school, uh, well, not just that. Being in film school, there are exceptions, of course, but because you have teachers talking to you about all these other movies that are out, you have this need to not rewatch things if you're in certain film classes. Like you feel, they force you at least I did. Enough, I they force you to watch enough films, anyways. The professors. Yeah, so it's kind of like, well, I don't want to rewatch something. And so that was my mindset at the time for a very long time. Then I just realized one day, oh, if I just want to watch something again, who fucking cares? Like, I'll enjoy it. Did I show Um, you the fan art? uh, I made made someone uh, watch the film, and she liked it so much that she made as an art project for one of her classes a 
pa- diorama, really? panorama, I, I forget what it is, of the city, from Dark City. Like an oh. accordion-style pop-up uh, hard book of it. And That is I'll amazing. To, I'll, I'll no, I don't find, remember I'll that. I'll pictures of it. And I'm like, I am so thankful I have just made someone a biased fangirl. <laughs> well, also, but you you caused uh, an influence in an artistic work, which is incredible. Yeah, someone actually um, made this their, their project for, for university. I, I don't know what grade abs- they got for it, yeah, but I'm s- let's assume it was a good grade. Let's yeah. assume it was a good grade. So, um, we so okay. I knew you were obsessed with this movie for a very long time, and I don't want to say I actively avoided rewatching it, but I just I, I wanted to s- I wanted my mind to see I wanted to see other you, stuff. You, you, yeah, you, it's something you want to pause and take a break before seeing it. Even that's why I said I only watch it about once every two months. Yes. Part of it is Um, the soundtrack, which is very. I don't want to say. I don't want to say John Williamsy because everyone instantly thinks of a certain thing. But it's that type of style where it's bombastic. Boom, 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 boom. And it's like you know, it's the nineteen nineties in your face orchestral smashing, and you're like, we get it. How it's it's good. It's good. It's good. It's just. Mm-hmm. Enough. <laughs> we get yeah, it. No. We get it. That's good, true. It's That's good. true. It's awesome. It's great. I love listening to its surround sound, but it's like. <sighs> so on that note, I think this is a good time. Uh, and I know you are very much aware of some technical facts about this movie. Um, hence a bit of your obsession with it. Care to delve further into that? Did I already mention uh, that a lot of the sets, stages, and props for this film are used in the Matrix yes. films one year later? Yes, you did. Um, but, okay, then let me ask you this. What, um, what other films, movies, or media of any kind pulled inspiration from this movie? Well, are there any you others wanna... you've noticed? Uh, yeah, uh, Christopher Nolan directly said... Uh, the for the city warping uh for inception directly pulled from dark city can you oh, see he, it? he said that okay. can you see that now if you think about it i can i can definitely see the way it adjusts and molds and shifts i can definitely see that yeah so um, the movie itself yeah. was inspired by a film the, the dark city film was inspired by it to be specific was inspired by a certain film that they title drop frequently as a line of dialogue. And I, since we've been roommates, uh, we're not roommates for clarification. We're not roommates anymore due to work. Uh, but I don't remember if you said this was a movie you loved or it's just because you like the, the aesthetics and the actors in it. But uh, they frequently title drop this film. Uh, and it is The City of Lost Children. Yes, they do. And I love this. Of course, I love this movie. I absolutely love that Which, movie. What, 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 um, what, were some, what were some themes about that film? Uh, people ooh. getting their memories and dreams pilfered and stolen, uh, mind manipulation, ancient, mysterious technology, a lot of psychedelic stuff. Hmm, a lot of similarities yep. and overlap, I see. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, I, for, so for me... Having rewatched the film, I gotta say it now, 
I completely see where the guy who made Bioshock the video game got his idea. Like, goddamn, in certain moments. I didn't put that together until seeing it this time around. Uh, not just the noir look, but the constant darkness, but even the the powers. Because they're, okay, yeah. There correction, is some correction. Bioshock is the yeah. spiritual successor of System Shock. Yes, and but you can certainly Shock. see. Yes, I know. I'm just for, that's that's my anal part of me. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. It is. It is. It is. But you can definitely see some visual inspiration oh, yes. at least. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. But I mean, but it's also like because Towers was in System Shock as well. But anyways. No, yeah, but like the way the plasmids are injected, it seems yes. very similar oh, yeah. those to syringes, the way this happens here. Oh yeah, here. those syringes. Oh yeah, those those scream Bioshock plasmids. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I guess what I'd say now, um, do you have any genuine? Having seen it the amount of times you've seen it, because obviously you love this movie. Do you have any honest critiques about it? Anything where? either you would have done differently or that you genuinely think was not a, a good take in it? Uh, I Every time I see it, I can't make up my mind about the child acting because sometimes I think it's okay. Other times I think it's bad. You might you might say, oh, some good child acting. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I think there's like two child roles. One who has absolutely no lines. No, actually, does she have a line? I think she might. I don't recall. One of one of the streetwalkers has a kid, and mm-hmm. uh, the first time the first time you see her, you, she has no lines of dialogue. Second time you see her, I don't recall if she has any lines of dialogue. And then uh, what's his name? Mister Quiet, I think, is the the stranger that's using the kid body. I think is the oh is the, yeah yeah is that is that in, is I, I I'm sorry I I'm bad I'm the, bad with the stran- I'm bad with the strangers names I think it's Mr Quiet um mm-hmm. yeah but I can't tell if I like the acting or it's because it kind of comes off as hokey and campy but at the same time in a way that's excusable because the strangers are supposed to be often weird because mm-hmm. they're mimicking personality. Because they don't really have one. They're trying yeah. to be human. That's why they don't really have names. They're taking random things as their names, which is what Dr. Schriever yeah. even points out. Mr. Whatever your name is. <laughs> yeah. I think, and one thing I'll say regarding that kid actor, you know, I'm sure he had a lot of fun doing it, but. It's easy also. It's fun to it, be sadistic. Yeah, it's easy, fun, and that's fine. Also, I'm I'm wary to heavily critique child actors. You never know Paper circumstances Moon is a good around role that. I'm sure. Child acting. Yes, it is. I actually and finally saw like that. Six, Six Sense is the child acting. Yeah. you think is good. Uh, of course, and but for the record, I finally watched Paper Moon, and I think I even texted you when I finally watched it, and I'm yeah. like, oh my god, you're right. That is a fant. She, mini, I, mini, I looked it up. She won the Oscar for that. Yeah, mini, 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 quick spiel. Uh, it, Paper Moon's a little bit of an unfair comparison because one, it's a child actress who's the dot who was raised in a family of acting, and the person she was mm-hmm. acting with was her father, so she's already with someone she's comfortable with. Not a stranger, so the mm-hmm. person she was raised with, who trained her, 
who probably mm-hmm. she was already familiar with, cared for, trained her, taught her. So they're already on this good role. She already had this background in acting. So she was like the basically you were born and bred and raised for this job. So I feel like that's a very unfair. That's like that's true. It yeah, is. It's, that that's is an like completely comparison. unfair. This this was like the born bred old. This was the ultimate gene modified thing. thing, which is unfair, but still good child acting. Yeah, Paper Moon. Absolutely. Um, good film. Good I, film. Yeah. Oh, great film. Great fucking film. And I'm glad you finally. I'm. You're the first person who mentioned it to me, and I'm glad I finally watched it. I watched it in high um, school or middle school. I can't remember. I I will add one thing. This movie. Ha- the one thing that happens to this movie watching it years later and it's it's unavoidable it's not even the movie's fault dated but yeah some of the effects are dated i would say the most dated effects because here's the fun part i loved how many practical effects they used for this as many as they could that's why the reasons why i went to when, when we went to film university and you had to study about stage production and assembly and construction you're like oh my god a lot of that while there is CGI in this, as we just brought up, a lot of those thing platforms that had to raise and lower and retract, like, oh wow, a lot of mechanics and engineering and technical Noah had to have gone into this. Well, I've, I looked it up. So yeah, as you pointed out, the budget of this movie was twenty-seven million dollars, which was not a lot of money even back in nineteen ninety-eight was still not a lot of money for a movie, especially when you're making something like this. Um, but I actually was watching an interview, in preparation, I was watching an interview with the director, and he admitted that this movie almost got shut down because they were filming it, and I guess they needed the set for something else, or they needed the studio <laughs> space. The Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix, possibly. He didn't say. He did, for the record, to keep this that was the that's director's me, name that's in the me, clear. That's, that's, that's me joking. I only say that because yeah. The Matrix has admitted they used, used some of the this sets. film sets. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's very, definitely. But they, suddenly, the, they get cut off. They stop. And he says, we're not done with the movie. He's like, well, let's, we'll decide if you're done. And they show it to him. And he actually admitted that he counted himself lucky that they... So, fun fact, folks. As you already, as many of you already know, movies are not shot in the order that, they, that you watch them in. Or in, in thematic order. order. Sequential order, yes. Because guess what? Nine times out of ten, it's just not going to make sense to shoot it that way. The actors and crew and set designers will all kill you if you do that. But so they he but he shot it not in sequential order but really like the he he it's like he shot the beginning and the end first apparently and then bits of the middle the middle randomly. So when the director showed what he had so far, thank God producers like, "Well, what what's happening? How do they get from darkness to this end point like that doesn't make any sense that's and he's the like, secret folks yeah, make it such a total mind fuck that, that even the producers like nope nope keep filming and then so they <laughs> apparently they they said okay what do you need apparently they said to him according to him he said they told him what do you need to get this done to finish this as quickly as possible he and he's like i need another million dollars for the effects budget and they're like done here's another million go finish it and so then he was able to go back and finish it and get everything he needed to do it. Um, but I just find that so interesting that it's like this movie kept having 
like many movies, they have to fight to survive. But man, this movie really fought at every turn. And then, as you've pointed out, it did make its money back, and then some. I think I pointed that off me- when we weren't recording. But yes, you oh, okay. It up. Yeah. What we no? So, what we? I'm sorry. What were we gonna say? Yeah. So I was gonna say thanks for bringing up the budget. So yes, it made the budget was 27 million. Was that including the extra million they got? I'm gonna presume that was including the extra million they got. Yeah. Let's assume it was including the yeah. extra. So million the budget was 27 million. The office they made was 27.2 million. So technically it was a success. Insert the whole meme of technically correct. The best kind of correct meme here. So that's where me being a little bit anal is going to be. I don't agree with the whole standpoint of it's being a, it's a cult hit. Because usually the connotation of a cult hit is it bombs and then it becomes successful. And usually the connotation mm-hmm. of a bomb film was... It doesn't make its budget back. But since this film technically made more than its budget, I mean, you know, like, here's your penny. Go and have fun with yeah. it, kind of. Yeah. It, it, it made its budget back. Sure. Try telling that to the producers who definitely Yes, I, under- were- <laughs> I understand that. But on a spreadsheet standpoint, to the bean counters, sure. there is no red. To the bean. There is no there red. Is no red. As there so, is as, no red. As as, as pe- two people who work in corporate who work corporate jobs who understand mm-hmm. the bean counters and who stare at spreadsheets too much of their lives, we understand they only care mm-hmm. about seeing red or not seeing. They only care about not seeing red. There was no red here. I was about to say so. so they should. There have been was happy. no red. That's there fair. was no red. There was no red. Yeah, there was no red, but they weren't happy. I don't think. <laughs> uh, but we'll it's also why later. But later. Well, it's also it's it's also why you see a large gap between this movie and his next movie, iRobot. It took him a while to <laughs> convince producers for him to make something again. Fun fact, folks: iRobot did very well in box offices, from what I understand. But so he got it back finally. But either way, uh, and I gotta ask: Is there anything I'm not saying about this movie right now that you really want out there? Whether it's about the movie, behind the scenes, or just anything about it, before we get into like our official review and critique of it, uh, and I, like breaking it down, I, I could give you some random trivia about some of the actors. I could give you some of the actors they wanted to bring in. Actually, well, you yeah, know what? Others. I love I, I love that. Tell me a little bit about those, both of those, the okay. uh, the trivia so, about so, the actors and so, who they wanted. You have mentioned the actor Sir Ben Kingsley, I believe. Yes. Oh, yes, you I like? He yes, was he's offered great. the role of Dr. Schreiber, actually. I, I don't know if he just turned it down or he was just busy or doing something else. But he, hmm. he just didn't take the role. So that's fine. Um, so that's that. Um, so, yes. Uh, going back to uh, Jennifer Connolly. Who plays Emma yes. slash Anna? Yes, there's two names for a specific reason. Uh, spoiler alert! Mm-hmm. Go watch the movie. Uh, there's a reason that she has two different names. We did mention about memories being manipulated, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So she. So you might know this actress uh, from the movie called Labyrinth. <laughs> I should tell you everything you need to know. 
so there are. Six she also, fun fact, was also in Requiem for a Dream. Yes. Uh, American Top Beauty? Gun. American Beauty, I think. Ameri- no, it's not American Beauty. She was in. Uh, hold on, I'll pull it up. There's another great, great movie. She's she's a big actress for the record. Labyrinth was the first big thing she was in. Oh, she's in A Beautiful Mind. She's in A Beautiful right, so, Mind. So, someone in the cast was in was in American Beauty. But anyways, yeah. So mm-hmm. we know she can sing, or we know she can lip sync well. So speaking about lip syncing, her character, or her first character, if you are confused, watch the movie, uh, is a lounge singer, and she's not singing. She's lip syncing to the actual singer is, I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name, Anita Kelsey Kesley. Okay. And Anita Kesley is a famous for being a backup singer for various bands. So, all right, so you got mm. a backup singer to be your professional singer. Okay, cool. Um, I'm normally not a fan of lounge music, but her music was great. So good good kudos to her. Uh, so the main character, John Murdoch, uh, who's played by Rufus Sewell. Uh, Sewell. He, he was in a 1996 adaptation of Hamlet, and I know you like your Shakespeare. Yes. I know you prefer Macbeth, but still Hamlet. Yeah. He also was the antagonist in the 2005 Legend of Zorro. I mentioned the 2005 Legend of Zorro because I'm going to think that's the one most people are familiar with of our generation or people ours. That's the Antonio Banderas one for people that yes. need more context. Yes, that's the one we know. Yes. Yes. Uh, Inspector Frank Bumstead was played by William Hurt. You might know him from The Village. I don't remember what role mm-hmm. he was in The Village. Well, he William also- Hurt... F- he was also in the movie AI. Yes, he was. William Hurt, I have to add, is a very famous, passed away recently, passed away in 2022, uh, very famous, well, highly regarded actor, highly yes. regarded character actor, Oscar winner, fun fact. Uh, he won the Oscar for, I just got to double check. I think it was a film called Broadcast News. But I could be wrong. But he has done quite a lot of amazing things. Oh, no. He was in... uh, It was Kiss of the Spider Woman. But he was also, if I'm not mistaken... I got to double check. While you're looking, I was just grabbing films that I thought majority of people might know of relatively recent or big-name pop culture. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, yes. He is the lead in a really interesting 1980s movie called Altered States, where he basically, the best way to describe that movie is he tries to de-evolve himself I'm to aware a of more that apolo- the movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, but he's the lead in that. That was his like first bigger role. Um, but yes, go on. Yes, that's William Hurt. Yeah, uh, Keither Sutherland was Dr. Daniel Schrieber. A uh, little trivia fun fact, the name of this character is based on an actual uh, German psychologist, psychiatrist. I'm going to get those terms mixed up. I know yeah. your dad is going to throw good. a medical book at me for getting those mixed up. Uh, it's but, okay. But yes, so the actual person this, the, the name is based off of is uh, is a German scientist that basically wrote a book. And a, uh, uh, This is just a quick cliff notes of it that basically wrote a book discussing like how to delve into the insane mind or how to analyze insane mind again i'm giving you like the coffee table wine yeah. mom definition of what it is so hey a guy who discussed insanity 
in a movie about people going insane or if they're really insane or not. That's a great name drop to go here. Uh, you might know him as David, the lead vampire in the movie The Lost Boys. He wasn't the lead vampire. It was the other guy. Well, you know, most people know David as the lead vampire from The Lost Boys. All right, moving on. <laughs> also, Keith Sutherland is also very much known for the show being in the, the lead in the show 24 as well. Yes. Richard O'Brien, O'Brien, I'm sorry, I'm bad with names, okay, uh, no was Mr. Hand. You might, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm get, I chose this role to bring up mostly because it's funny and I wanted to hear you laugh. You might know him as a voice actor as the dad from Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> really? John That's funny. Murdoch. Mr. Murdoch. Hi, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Oh my god! You're not no. gonna take. You're not gonna take that serious, seriously anymore. That's never. Phineas and Ferb. That... Where is John Bird? <laughs> That's like when um. I'm sorry. Oh my god. That's uh. That's like hold on uh when people realized that uh J.K. Simmons, who was the lead in Whiplash, also did the voice of. Ang's son in uh, Legends of Korra, so they took he's clips. Also the insur- um, he's also the insurance guy. He's also the president in some video games. Yeah, he's he's a lot of. He's guys. a lot, but they took the audio from because fun fact, but in that movie, he's yelling and screaming a lot and s- screaming all sorts of obscenities. He's a great actor, and they just he's a very good actor. Also, he's the voice of the yellow M M&M, and M. But great <laughs> I did actor. not know that. <laughs> Yes, he is. He's the voice of the yellow M&M to this day. The more you know. Yay. But I love that they took a clip of him screaming and yelling and cut it in to like moments of The Legend of Korra. And it shouldn't work, but it totally does. Like in every possible way. Um, anyways, anyways, but I, that's gonna, that's what gives me that vibe. I, that right. Mr. Hand was the void of fin- voice of Phineas and Ferb's dad. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Some people might argue it's the stepdad. You know what? I, I don't know all the lore and meta commentary of Phineas and Ferb. Who I just think that was funny. Anyways, Ian Richardson, you might know, uh, was Mr. Book, aka the leader of the strangers. Uh, he was yes. 1979 Tinker Taylor, uh, soldier spy lead actor of that. Uh, you mm-hmm. liked the Netflix version of House of Cards. He was the main character of the 1990s version of House of Cards. He also oh, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. Mr. Book's character, can you? Will you believe me? Based on how he his pose and how he handled himself, would you believe me if I told you that actor has played Sherlock Holmes in several films? I can. I I somewhat can understand that. I can under. I can somewhat see that. Yeah. Yes. In its own way. Yes, and. Uh, as I was rewatching the film again, and I saw uh, Uncle Carl, and I was thinking, where have I seen this guy before? Uh, John Bluthall, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's in a lot of TV roles and movies as just the kind of that off-screen character, or that one dumb random side character. But the only mm-hmm. film role to me that stood out, again, I have different movie tastes than other people, mm-hmm. the only movie role that I saw of his that stood out was The Professor in Fifth Element. Mm, okay. So, but other than okay. that, I, I he just has a face. You're like, I've seen you before. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, also the, for this, for the record, 
sorry, Mr. Uh, the actor who played John Murdoch also is one of the main characters in the uh, TV show adaptation of the man in the man in the Hyde Castle or the man in Hyde Castle. Uh, so he, so he, he played a lot of the antagonists. Uh, Interesting. Yes, he does. He's actually he went into more villainous roles, I guess, after this. He, he which has is interesting. that. I I don't want to use the word vibe. I hate the word vibe because of how people use it. He has that essence, personality, mm-hmm. aura. Yeah. 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 The way and he he, I guess himself. you know with. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, any any other facts about that? Anyone else who they wanted for the movie but couldn't get? Uh, yeah. So. Technically, another reason why I will say this film, I would not classify it as a cult hit, is technically in 2021. Okay, so the act, so the director of this film was also one of the writers of it. I think there was like, depending on who you ask, there was three main writers for this. One of the writers, of course, was mm-hmm. the writer for Blade Two. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the so the director was also one of the three writers. Again, depends on how many writers you believe wrote this film. He also wrote a short film that is supposed to kind of be a sequel to this called The Mask of Evil Apparition in 2021. And hmm. I, have, I have yet to see it. I will fully admit that. I have yet to see it. For all I know, it could be a complete piece of shit. And after that was shown, he said he was – he cl- this is a claim. This is a claim that he's working on a Dark City series. No, that could just mean – Here's five-minute shorts, or here's a web novel, or here's a comic, or whatever. I don't know what that means. He just – I haven't done that much research. What? A biased fanboy hasn't done much research on this? Yeah, I have not done much research on this because, well, life. But, <laughs> yeah, so that's another reason why I don't consider this a cult hit because people are like, eh, it's done. I'm embarrassed moving on. Yeah, I'll, sure, I'll show up to a convention and say, yeah, here's the film again, whatever. So, yeah, so there's some things going on with this. Um, another way I've been able to drag people to this film is it's kind of, I want to call it an an edgy high school way of getting people into this film is, hey, man, it's like a version of Plato's allegory of the cave because the inhabitants of the city mm. are, like, totally unaware that they're prisoners. Uh, so that's a way hmm. to get people into it. Uh, another way to get people into it is memes. Because um, you know how when the strangers communicate with each other, they're going... Like, I don't know if my microphone's picking that up. Yeah. But but my yeah. joke is, are the strangers just cats? And the next time your cat, you hear a cat do that sound, is the cat actually a cat or is it a stranger? And people like cat jokes. Huh. So I get people into watching that's the movie because I'm like, hey, your cat might be an alien. Like, what do you mean? No, it's not. Then watch this movie and prove me wrong. <laughs> I, 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 hold on I think I've gotten I think I've gotten fifth. yeah I'm going to say I think I've gotten 15 people to see this film with that cat joke no I don't know if people just said lol <laughs> cats and seen it or they're like a little bit paranoid but yeah and I think it's only huh. three people I've gotten to see this film because of the Plato's allegory thing and I know it's seven people I've gotten to see it because they're fans of the Junji Ito uh, thing. Because there's a lot of fans of Junji Ito. His work is really good, but it's... If you're a fan of the heart or you really are... I don't want to use the word triggered. If you're someone who's like, 
I can't handle scary stuff. Please, please, please do not read Junji Ito. I'm someone who laughs at, like, consent forms for tabletop role-playing game stuff. I'm the person who laughs at trigger warnings in video games. But even I'm going to be like, don't pick up Junji Ito's material if you feel like you're going to be concerned at all by anything. He is a master at what he does for a reason. Exactly, exactly. I um that's that's completely fair. So I think now is a good time to so and you've listened to a decent amount of our of our uh episodes, I think. Um so you're f- familiar, I think, with our rating system, but I'm gonna run through it real quick, uh just to you know, because why not at this point? Um Refresher is so, always good. Yes. So, is it a so? What I'm saying is a one through five, one being the lowest, five being the best. So, is it? Does it suck? Is it a meh? Like meh, meh, whatever, meh. Is it a movie, which would be three stars? Is it like did they make a movie? Like it's a movie. Uh, Number four would be is it a flush? Is it really good? And number five, does it fuck? Is it is this is this that fucking good? Does it fuck? Am I am I allowed like point five decimal points? Yeah, you can say you can say uh, flush point five if you want, or you know that you can. Okay. We haven't had that before, but you are welcome to do it. Okay. Yeah. Because all right, if I had, if I was not allowed numbers, I would say a four. So. Oh my god, it's the biased fanboy giving it a high number. Yes. However, if I was allowed decimal points, I would lower it to a 3.5. Interesting. And remember, I'm a biased fanboy, but if I can do decimal points, I can be more honest. Because yes. just because I like something doesn't mean it's good. Insert the Marge Simpson meme, I just think it's neat kind of deal. It's a, gotcha. I think the movie yeah. is... The movie is fascinating and appealing, and I like some of the aspects, the music, the – I admire and respect a lot of the work that went into it, the technic – the lot of things of it inspired. It's like when you see uh, some when, – when you see ancient architecture, you're like, this is what inspired, like, everything that you see from this moment onwards. You appreciate what came from it. Yes, we know all the Inception jokes, but whatever, for whatever you want, Inception itself inspired and launched a lot of films and, God forbid, a lot of the sound and audio standards in the film industry. Uh, <laughs> we're holding that asset back. Um, yeah. But I, I have an audio sound background, so that's my – anyways. So uh, yeah, yeah, no, so, that's so fair. So I understand and appreciate – what came before the things that hold up that the whole me the whole thing of atlas holding up the, the sky i see this film and i see this what things this kind of helped shape or give form to and that helps mm-hmm. me appreciate what it is and also based on the what you've told me on the interview i will admit i have not seen i do not believe i've seen the interview you've mentioned but based on what you I'll told send it me, to you. it reminds me a bit of Jacob, the film you like, Jacob's Ladder, which was a lot of it was just filmed <laughs> in an alley. A lot of it was just filmed in an alleyway, and a lot of this was just kind of filmed yeah. in city streets. Well, sets made to look like city streets. 
which you know a low budget, mm-hmm. and that that film itself I think the only... was a standpoint for a lot. That that film itself inspired a lot of things, and a lot of things take reference from that. So yeah. So for the record, I think the only on location thing they did for Dark City, and I could be wrong. But there is a sequence with some trains and a subway. I don't think they built that. I think they might have uh, gone to a subway to do that. Yeah. But the, yeah if but I'm the guessing. Point, but what my point was is shoestring. Well, I mean, someone argued $27 million is not a shoestring budget. But the point is, not a big it budget. It was, though. Do, doing, yeah. doing a grimy urban setting, psychedelic thing. And making what you can with it and influencing a lot of things and inspiring a lot of things. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if I may, um, I would give this a flush point. No, no. I. This is what we're here for, man. This is amazing. So, yeah. Reiterate. Um, 3.5 is what I would give it. 3.5 or 4. Okay. Nice. I I give it a – (laughs) <laughs> if I was yes. forced, I would give it a four. I, Honestly, I'd give it a three point five. Yeah, and that's that's what we want here. We want your honesty. I would give it a flush point five, so pretty much a four point five in your in the way you would say it, because and that's but I reached that conclusion now, having watched it years later, where I realize, goddamn, does this movie look good? Like really, really, really good. And quick interjection for context, though, the director's cut did do a lot of polishing up on the visual fidelity. Yes, it did. And that's, but I So so for your listeners to watch the non director's cut and go, this movie looks like a piece of shit, we're going to be fully transparent. The director's cut, they took their time to polish it up. Yes, they did. Um, and that I will admit, the first version I saw was the theatrical cut, where I was a little iffy on the ending a bit. Why? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I know. But watching it now, I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll admit that this is watching it the second time, where you know what's happening, where you know the ending, because you kn- so because you know it, you're like, okay. Looking back, it's actually very obvious that the this is an alien situation. Especially in one of the fight sequences, you're like, yeah, this is very clearly that. You know what movie Have I'm about to make a joke about? Can we watch it again now? <laughs> what? Now that we know what's going on and we can watch it again, you, you know what movie yeah. I'm going to mention now? Say it. I want speaking, you to say speaking, it. Speaking about mindfucks of films. Yeah. You Go know. For it. You know it. I know. I know. But I want you to say it. <laughs> Beyond the Black Reaper. <laughs> okay, so folks, folks, for those of you who don't know, there is a little movie out there called Beyond the Black Rainbow, which N and I literally forced like three other people to watch with us, which I apologize to those three people. I don't really know you guys anymore, but I'm sorry. Like, you didn't deserve that. <laughs> but we sit there, watch this fucking thing. And I remember we were like, did you like it? And N went, I don't know. And I'm like, me neither. I don't know if I like but did you did you hate it? And then I remember either someone asked in the room, well, did you guys hate it? And we're like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, for the record, I folks, honestly, that honestly, lead- not, not, not humor-wise, honestly, yeah. I really do want to watch it again now that I'm, like, not panicking about, you know, university and be like, 
you know what? I'm a different part of my life. I'm over with that now. I have yeah. some understanding and appreciation. I seriously want to actually watch it again and be like, all right, yeah. how do I feel about this film Well, now? I want to I find – if they ever play it on a big screen, I want to go. That I want to see that on a big screen. Uh, not that that will ever happen. But fun fact on that, folks, real quick. That movie is – that director later went on to direct a more famous film called Mandy – Starring Nicolas Cage. And that just, yeah, watch both movies. He also directed an episode from Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. I don't remember the episode name, but it's it's oh, the weird tell trippy. Toro work, then that should tell everyone that they need to at least Check keep it an open mind to when they see yes. the film. But the reason why I don't give it a, a fucks or a five, at least, is because... So, if you've never seen the movie before, the ending pretty much throws you for a pretty big... Dark City, yes. If you've never seen Dark City before, the ending throws you for a pretty big loop. Um, And it's almost too rushed, too quick, and, like, you weren't ready, and in a bad way. If you've seen the movie before, you kind of realize the hints they're dropping are really obvious at times, and you're kind of surprised that you didn't catch it first. I'm not saying that makes the movie bad because I'm almost contradicting myself having watched it before, having watched it now. But what that does mean is that there's there was room for refinement in the way they presented their final I argument. I feel like this is part of the – you know there's the period where a lot of films were all had to be done in an hour and a half, like, like yeah. assembly line machine production. I feel like it was falling yeah. victim to that. And they're like, all right, yeah. we got to wrap this up. And it's like, but, yeah. but we not, no, we got to wrap it up. But it doesn't, we got to wrap it up. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, I can definitely see that. Well, um, before we, speaking of wrapping things up, before wrapping this episode up, and are there, is there anything else, any final thoughts you'd like to add before we bring this episode to a close? Uh, yeah. Um, Paul, uh, sorry guys, everyone's sick and tired of me constantly interrupting and interjecting. That's just how okay. I am. Uh, but yeah, if, if you want, if people like doing double features, I would say you would double feature this director's cut, uh, with Cabin in the Woods, because mm. as I've mentioned earlier, there's a lot of story elements overlap. About, you know, there's a cast of characters in a simulation-controlled environment by another group that is manipulating and controlling everything behind the scenes, trying to get the story that they want. And, of course, the experiment gets derailed. And then, of course, some mm-hmm. people argue that there should be a sequel or they don't like the ending or that there's some sort of meta-commentary or so on and so forth. And, of course, there's a lot of surprising big actors in both films. Uh, but that, yeah, that that's that's my view. That if you wanted to do a double feature, do Cabin in the Woods and Dark City director's cut specifically. The director's cut. Uh, yes, I would say start with Dark City, then go to the Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah. Why? What, what, whatever because your preference. Cabin in the Woods is, but ca- I would suggest that because Cabin in the Woods is actually fun fact is actually really funny. So it'll be good to end on a slightly, you know, a note that'll make you laugh more than oh yeah, it's a the comedy. other one would than Dark City. Yeah. Well. Um, I will just say that this, seeing this movie again, the director's cut, of course, 
Dark City, was really a, uh, a wonderful throwback for me. And I'm really glad I had an excuse to watch it again. Thank you um, for uh, t- taking uh, the idea of mine. I know you da- when I said, hey, Beyond the Black Rainbow, you said, no! <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I did maybe. Uh, yeah, fun fact, folks. He wanted me to do a Beyond the Black Rainbow episode. I'm like, no one's ready for that. <laughs> on that note, folks, on that note, folks, this has been What Do You Think? Al's not here. I'm C. Say goodnight, N. Goodbye. Good night. Thanks for all having me. Have a good one, folks. Thank you.